0: look like, oftentimes, when a, when we finally get to that point in therapy where they begin to make contact with those inner children, the kid, snotty nose, ratty hair, puffy eyes from crying, geeky clothes, you know, and you say, yuck, yuck. That makes a child want to warm up, doesn't it? (laughs) Makes a child want to to re-decide those decisions of trust and mistrust, right? Give me a break. The fact is, do you know the crime of the child that's inside of you? The crime is being a kid. That's the crime. Sirhan Sirhan has gone up for parole now several times for killing a Kennedy. Killing someone. And he feels justified in being released because after all, he's paid his price. What about those kids inside of you? What was their crime? Being imperfect, being powerless, and being wrong. And for that, there is no parole board. Feel that for a moment. Feel the injustice that murderers, rapists, can get off with five years, seven years. And I've seen people who have been in prison for 30, 40 years inside with the jailer hating them solitary confinement, day after day after day, with the jailer hating them. In a constant bubble of pain, stuck in that scene that they were captured in when they were dissociated, disconnected, rejected. pisses me off you know and that may sound a little harsh what word would you use what word would you use this isn't nice it's not polite to keep that child locked up for 30 years naughty naughty it's a crime and I am so excited at this turnout because maybe we can begin to reverse that crime tonight. Do you know what I tell clients when they see that kid and they say, ooh, yuck, they're dirty and they're messy and they're puffy eyed and they're geeky clothed, like I said before? Get them a new outfit! clean up their face comb their hair put your arm around them and begin the process of healing realize that their only crime was being imperfect and you choose to accept them choose to accept them as is that's the beginning of healing now there's many different characteristics that go with being an adult child. That go with having big hunks of self. (laughs) The lecturer is imperfect. You know, after 12 years of actively working my recovery as a codependent, I really can't get real hard on myself anymore for being imperfect. It's one of my character flaws, (laughs) self-acceptance. And I love it. When you grow up with that mirror, it makes impact on the decisions of who you are, who the world is around you. And so what happens is, Adult children end up reacting to life with a survival mentality. Let me pose a question for you. My question to you is the following. If, if, if you see a difference between the following two scenes. On the left side is Auschwitz, circa 1943. It's a resort, right? Or Disneyland. Do you notice a difference between those two environments? Between Auschwitz with the ovens and the showers and the cruelty that's beyond human imagination and Disneyland? The fact is... In Auschwitz, you learn to survive. In Disneyland, you try to have fun. Right? If you tried to use your strategy in Disneyland when you're in Auschwitz, you're dead meat. Dead meat. You ain't gonna make it. Let's look at the other side of that, though. What happens with adult children is they bring Auschwitz to Disneyland. You know? They bring their survival strategies to Disneyland and wonder how come they don't work. So we want to learn how to make a difference between Auschwitz and Disneyland. The fact is, adult children survive. In fact, every single person in this room survived. Is there anyone here that didn't survive? Anyone here that didn't survive? Therefore, I conclude that your survival strategies worked. They may suck canal water in Disneyland, but they worked. Take a moment right now and celebrate that fact. I'm dead serious. Take a moment and feel the celebration that you survived without any guilt. A lot of the survivors at Auschwitz and Dachau and and other concentration camps had this kind of existential guilt at having survived. Let's have permission to celebrate the fact that we survived as adult children. Take a moment and appreciate that fact. Just let that celebration here in your chest, in your stomach, just for a moment. That's another step in the process of recovery. The process of celebrating the fact that you survived. And since you survived, you're now free to make different choices today. That's What comes on the heels of celebrating the fact you survived? As long as you hate yourself for having survived, you can't take the next step. So let's celebrate the fact that you survived. Let's celebrate the fact that your strategies worked in Auschwitz. Now, that Auschwitz may be a fairly normal or a fairly abusive kind of environment. You don't have to justify being an adult child. You don't have to list your war stories to justify the fact there's disconnected parts to you. I asked my son Jesse, who's eight, if I could share a story. Some time ago, and this kid lives in Disneyland. He's got a mom and dad that love him. He's got grandparents that love him. He's got aunts and uncles that love him. I mean, really, genuinely express in an open, spontaneous way. You can see how stuffy I am. Just hug him to bits, right? And Jesse was doing some real fancy dribbling, you know? know How eight-year-olds never show off, right? And the family was out there, and he was sitting out on the patio, and Jesse was out doing his thing. And everyone was busy talking. And I said, hey, good job, Jess. I happened to notice it and went back to talking. Nathan, our five-year-old, he'll be six on, on Saturday, was doing the, the great basketball at a five-year-old desk, you know, slap, bounce, you know. And they kept coming back, and he was so excited. And right then there was a shift in conversation. Everyone turned, ooh, Nathan, that's neat. You know, and Nathan got some, some cookies, some, some acknowledgment. That night, as I was tucking Jesse in, he was sobbing from deep in his belly. I mean, as only kids can, can really cry, way down at the bottom of the belly, sobbing. And, and I said, What's wrong? PhD, you know, you, you get these kinds of <laughs> perceptiveness, you know, minimal cues, like. <laughs> And I noticed it. (laughs) Doesn't make you feel reassured, huh? And he says, you know, after he kind of caught his breath, he says, I'm Pluto and Nathan's Earth. (laughs) I said, okay. (laughs) I'm Venus and Nathan's Earth. Everyone likes Nathan and no one likes me. And he sobs. And he sobs. And I'm, you know, crying and thinking, Oh, shit! What do you do now? (laughs) You know, give me an adult that's suicidal any day, but don't do this to me. I love you. You're supposed to know it, you know. You know, it was awful. My heart was just breaking. And I said, honey, I don't understand. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) And he says, I know, but, you know, no one gave me any attention. Now, you notice children are black and white, all or nothing. No one gave me any attention. I thought, didn't I, didn't you hear me say, good job dribbling? Well, yes, but, but that didn't count. (laughs) This is a very bright eight-year-old, very bright. And I said, oh, uh, well... He said, well, you know, I try so hard. Sob, sob, and I'm... And if at least half the people don't give me attention, my body won't accept it. This is eight-year-old conceptualization. He was a star soccer player, you know? And he says... I would get a baseball player, he had grand slam home runs, you know, when I was his age, I was hit in the face with the ball and from then I thought out in right field, Lord, don't let him hit me the ball, you know. <laughs> if I got to first base, it was a miracle, you know. He's up there hitting home runs and grand slam home runs and doubles and, you know. And he says, I try too hard, because I got to have that attention. probably none of you have had that feeling of trying too hard for attention this kid growing up in disneyland is still eight years old very important point developmentally children think differently than adults they conceptualize differently than adults their cognitions are different their perceptions are different They're not simply short adults. Children are not able to internally validate themselves before somewhere between seven and nine. Jesse is in the midst of that transition right now. Before that age, they really don't have developmentally the capacity for that kind of internal validation. And so they are needing it from outside. They got to get it outside. And Jesse has a big appetite. He's a very sensitive kid. He's a very bright kid. He's got a big appetite. You know what I mean? And so if at least half the people don't give me attention, I feel like, and this is where my heart just broke, I feel like garbage, he said. I just feel like garbage. Now, oh, can you imagine your kid feeling like garbage? you know what that does to you inside? You know? And so I sort of held him and cried with him and and stuff like that. And then the next day I said, you know, Jesse, when I was a little boy, I used to have a lot of the same kinds of feelings and stuff, you know? And I tried something, but I waited until I was almost, uh, I was in my late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, math is not my strong point. 12 years from, I'm 41, so whenever. Use your imagination, 12 years before now. And I learned to sort of put my arm around myself. I said, would you like to try an experiment? And he had gotten an honorable mention at the science fair. I see a pattern, a little overachieving. And so his eyes light up, experiment. I said, you know, if can you imagine you standing outside of yourself? Yeah, he could picture himself. What would you give that, what name would you give that? My twin. So I said, Jesse, I'd like you to have your twin go to school with you today. And every little while, ask your twin how you're doing. Now, I'd like to have your twin use a very loving voice, but be very honest with you, Jess. If you're trying too hard, I want your twin to say, Jesse, you're trying too hard. If you're goofing off, Have your twin tell you you're goofing off, but just to give you honest information. And that's what he did. He tried it. It's a process, because developmentally he's still kind of in the midst of being able to do that. But it's so funny, when he was going up to bat at one of the baseball games, coach pitch, bases were loaded, There's two out, and Jesse was up. No pressure. No pressure. And afterwards, he had a a single or something, and and afterwards I said, Wow, how was that? And he said, You know, my twin said, Don't blow it if you can help it, but I'm going to love you anyway. (laughs) And I started to cry, you know. The fact is that you have to shift from survival to living. They're not the same thing. Respect the fact that you survived, but realize the difference between surviving and living. Adult children tend to feel different from normal people and spend a lifetime trying to pretend. Any of you go through adolescence or do you skip it? (laughs) (laughs) Remember when you were acting cool and inside you're going, oh, I hope they don't notice I got a zit on my left cheek. There is a difference between acting and being adult children have a very strong tendency to act all the accomplishments all of the skills that they develop over time they don't tend to own because they they perceive themselves as acting faking out the rest of the world and you know what's really funny people are so busy wanting to be normal you know what's normal in 1989 adult children <laughs> That's normal! It ain't healthy, but it's normal. In the sense that there is such a preponderance of woundedness. Now, it's a continuum from very severe woundedness on the one end to minimal woundedness on the other. I'm not saying all adult children have an equal amount of woundedness. That's not what I'm saying. The woundedness depends on the degree of self that is drowning in that pool of shame. If there's very little Self caught up in that pool, there's minimal woundedness. If a lot of self is caught up in that pool, there's a lot of woundedness. Okay? But the fact is, adult children are normal. It's just not healthy. And so when people come in and they say, I want to be normal, I say, congratulations. Anything else? (laughs) How about going for the next one? How about going for healthy? we try to shift the goal to healthy, which is not normal. You see, in our culture today, it really isn't normal to feel real good about yourself. To have the capacity for deep intimacy. Look at the divorce rate. Look at the, 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 the substance abuse. Look at the depression. And you begin to see that what is normal and what is healthy are not the same. I said before, they tend to look at life through black or white. Either I'm perfect or I'm garbage. Now, for an eight-year-old, that's normal development. They're still cognitively at the stage of black and white thinking. When you carry that into adult life, you've got real problems. If I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it at all. They go through life judging very harshly. Now, this may be judging themselves. <clears throat> It may be judging others, or both. But like I said before, judging interferes with the process of change. It makes denial, rationalization, and the other defense mechanisms make sense. Because what you see, you punish. So, shifting from that judging is an imperative part of recovery. They constantly look for approval and validation from outside of themselves. Let me tell you a little secret about approval. When you look for approval outside without giving it to yourself inside, here's how it happens. You take the approval, which is, of course is in liquid form. You know that, don't you, that approval is in liquid form. You take that liquid approval and you carry it in your sieve. And you get there and it's gone. And you come back and you get some more. And you get over here and it's gone. She's not the right person to give me the approval. So I go to someone else and I get the approval. And I come over and it's gone. She ain't the right one either. And I go to you and I get the approval and the sieve, it just goes right through. You know why? How you fill the holes of that sieve is through self-acceptance. Jesse is beginning that process. His dad, with 12 years of actively working my recovery, has filled a lot of the holes of his sieve. That doesn't mean I don't like approval. You know, I was almost in tears watching this turnout. Like, (laughs) ooh, you know? That was wonderful! But I couldn't hold on to it if I didn't give myself approval first. When I give myself approval, I can accept the approval or the nurturing or the caring of another person. If I say to myself, and this is one of those great binds, if then, if I can get you to love me, then I can accept myself. It will not work. If then, strategies don't work. The fact is, if I accept myself first, I'm fine. I'm in a position then to be able to accept nurturing from another person. Without that, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And it's not the fault of the other person. What you often find is the person tries to fill the sieve. They try to fill the sieve, the, the, the other partner. And they get so frustrated. It's like, I can't fill this cup. And of course, often they're adult children too. They feel inadequate. And so you got to get rid of the person. And you go through different relationships. It's because of these other five that adult children have such problem with relationships. Intimacy. How can you be intimate with someone else if you're not intimate with yourself? And yet that's what we all want, isn't it? I mean, how many of you would like to have an intimate relationship with someone? Okay. You better start with the person sitting right in your seat. <laughs> Take a moment and just get to know that person sitting in your seat. Finally, I'd like to look at some of the common survival strategies of adult children. This is not, this is not exhaustive at all. But again, I want you to just begin to appreciate the ambience and the texture and the color of what we're dealing with. There's the one that gets a lot of press, the little parent. It's a child, often, birth order, sex, uh, temperament, there's a lot of things that go into what styles a person adopts. The little parent is the one that takes on the whole responsibility of control and makes everything okay. And there's no, <laughs> there's no way they can do it. Because they have no authority, no power. It's very frustrating for them. There's the emotional sponge. Everything is my fault. There's a plane crash in the Andes. I must have caused it. You know? There's too many people here tonight. It must be my fault. You know? It's everything is absorbed. All the family toxins are absorbed, just like a sponge. The identified patient, this is one that, For a long time we we tended to think of them as being not involved with the family the ones that acted out against the law or other kinds of ways of getting into trouble the fact is it was a way of distracting the attention away from the pathology in the family it came out of family loyalty so the kids that would get into trouble were protecting the family in the way they knew how yeah it's, it's real surprising but that's we, you know it's 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 true there's the chameleon the person who realizes it doesn't pay to really care and so you just end up being whatever you are I was a I was a chameleon you want me to be nine foot tall three foot tall five hundred pounds 30 pounds you name it handsome wife, you know there's limits but you just I would be whatever you needed me to be a codependence often in addition to others will also have this need to be whatever you want them to be. And you, you, you buy that at the expense of a sense of self. There's a the clown, you know, you can't carry on a conversation. They're always laying jokes out. And again, it's to, to distract the attention from the pain. And the volcano, the person who just sort of walls that anger inside almost dares a person to come close. And yet inside is crying out for someone to come close. But you've got to get through the force field first. There's also the baby and there's the hero. There's, there's many different styles or patterns that come out of the decision to not be you. Sometimes a person has more than one. Again, I, it, it blows me away how people try to black and white. it. Well, wait a minute, Jim. Now, am I a little parent or am I an emotional sponge? Which one am I? And I go, yes. You know? Yep, you're right. You're both. You're neither. I don't care. What are you right now? You see? And part of of healthiness is learning to see which styles are most familiar. I said before, there is an addiction to the familiar. You will tend to find yourself repetitively getting into certain patterns. You'll find yourself frequently taking on the pain of other people. They're called pathological people helpers. <laughs> Sometimes they're called therapists. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sometimes they're called nurses. Sometimes they're called teachers. You know, whatever. The question that you want to be thinking about right now, number one, do you recognize that there's a empty space where, at times. When you're not distracted and you're not medicating that you sense the vacuum close your eyes for a moment put down your papers remember as a child if you close your eyes they can't see you say so no one else is going to know and just notice what happens when you allow yourself for a moment to take on the mindset of acceptance of acceptance toward whatever you may find inside and just notice what you notice when you start to go into that hole the same feelings that you've been trying to avoid all these years can lead you right straight to the wounded child. That's what we do all day long. Instead of blocking the sadness I encourage people to go into the sadness and let the sadness take you right to the kid that's hurting. If it's anger, if it's fear, if it's a sense of emptiness itself, people say, well, I don't feel anything. Or as Nathan would say, I don't feel nothing nothing then let yourself feel that nothing respect the nothing if that's what you get allow the feeling to begin to float up to an image allow yourself to be surprised the permission to be surprised by what you see let the feelings as they begin to come float up to an image of you At a younger age. Allow your unconscious mind to select that image. I don't know what the scene will be about, but just allow the scene to form. Your job is simply to have a loving, accepting attitude toward what you see. And as the feeling floats up to an image, as it begins to come into focus, notice you in the scene, feeling whatever feeling led you to the scene. If it's sadness, see yourself as that child feeling sad. If it's scared, see yourself as that little child feeling scared. If it's, if it's lonely or, or empty, then see yourself feeling that feeling in the scene as that child. As the adult looking at the scene, your job is to feel a sense of love and acceptance for you in the scene. As the scene comes fully into focus, allow you as the adult to step into the scene and make contact with that child. Now, the child may be receptive. More likely, the child won't be receptive. But I do not want you to enter the scene at all unless you have the feeling of loving acceptance toward the child in the scene. If you can't take that step, then simply notice the scene, but do not enter it. If you can shift gears into a sense of loving acceptance for that child in the scene, then take the next step. If not, then instead I want you to notice what the resistance to that shift is. What is it that you're saying to yourself about why you can't give that child that acceptance? If you can enter the scene, the child may not be receptive. Now, here's what you don't do. You don't try to overpower that resistance from the child. Instead, you accept the child as is. If the child is open for an arm around, fine. If not, just give the child a smile and say, Hey, it's okay. But I'm going to hang around for a while. that you get used to me and if it takes you however long it takes you that's fine I'm committed to learning how to be a loving parent to you one scene for me was Jimmy, age 4 sitting on the sandbox at school, at Lincoln School in Modesto I started kindergarten when I was 4 and I I was very shy, and I, the, the kindergarten was way over here, the bathroom's way over here, and I'd wait to the last minute to go, and I'd finally say, Mrs. Neal, can I go to the bathroom? And I'd go, and I'd be running as fast as my little legs could carry, and I'd get about as far as the sandbox, and I'd wet my pants. Do you know what it's like to wet your pants at age four in kindergarten? I mean, it's awful. And I would sit there on this wood box, waiting for my pants to dry. Drowning in shame. Drowning in a sense of self-loathing. So when when that scene came up in the process of my recovery, I decided to sit down with little Jimmy while his pants dried. We'd talk. You know? And i just let him know that someday he'd make it to the bathroom. But until he did, that's okay. I'll sit with him. And I won't let anybody tease him. And there's Jimmy age six, flunking out of everything. Lowest reading, lowest math, lowest spelling. Huh, there wasn't even a spelling category <laughs> low enough. Lowest athletics. And so I you knew we had those road chairs, you know, at Lincoln. And I'd come into the scene. I sit down next to Jimmy and say, you know something, kid? Some days, these people are going to come see you for therapy. (laughs) (laughs) And what you're learning right now about hurting is going to help a lot of folks. I can't tell you in my recovery how many hours I have spent sitting, waiting for Jimmy's pants to dry, (laughs) sitting, sitting there in school with him, That's recovery. It's as simple and as difficult as that. We're going to be talking in the next weeks about some of the more specific applications in addictions. And we're going to be talking about a lot more of the process of recovery. I'd like to take a break for a moment. If you have any questions, could you jot we can collect them. I'd be more than happy to to spend some time. You've been really patient. I apologize for the (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Thank you very much. And that concludes Understanding the Wounded Child Within. Thank you.